0: Hi, I'm Jeff Ray, your host for Economic Outlook. Thanks for joining us. We hope you'll make plans to join us each week on WNIT, WNIT2, online at WNIT.org, or listen to our podcasts of the show on most major podcast platforms. Workforce shortages have companies seeking to automate more of their practices to make up for the lack of a labor force, but it's also creating new opportunities in the region. We'll take a closer look at automation and how it's transforming local companies and where workers might find the training they need to work in this new environment, coming up on Economic Outlook. Before we get started here at WNIT, we're respecting social distancing and as such have both our host and our guests joining us today virtually instead of in person. Automation describes a wide range of technologies that reduce human intervention and processes. As labor force shortages have sent companies scrambling for solutions, Many have made major investments in new technologies to help combat those shortages. We'll take a closer look at automation and how it's influencing the economy in our region with Matt Tyler, the President and CEO of Vickers Engineering, Juan Lopez, the Dean of the School of Advanced Manufacturing, Engineering, and Applied Sciences at Ivy Tech Community College, and Tim Dunai, an Automation Engineer at Kendall Electric. Welcome, guys, thanks for joining me today.
1: Thank you for having us. Thanks. Pleasure to be here.
0: Great, well, I we appreciate the topic. You know, there's, there's so much conversation happening, I think in the, in, in the, especially in the manufacturing world about how to, how to innovate and, and, and bring more technology. Announcements in our region recently of, about companies like Amazon and the number of robots that are gonna be in there. We thought it'd, it'd just be helpful to talk to each of you a little bit about, uh, you, know, you know, kind of what's happening in your world and, and get some insight on the automation space. Matt, just to maybe help frame this for the beginning, just to remind folks. And and thank you for coming back, by the way. Um, You're at Vickers Engineering. Tell us a little bit about what you do at Vickers.
2: Sure, Vickers is a contract manufacturer. We're a precision machining company. So we we have roughly a couple hundred employees and and we make products primarily for the automotive industry, but a little bit of defense, a little bit of oil and gas and others. And it's a very high precision uh, uh, iron and aluminum products that we make. Toyota is our biggest customer, for example. So we have products on every Toyota on the road, Many Honda, Subaru, uh, Volkswagen things of that nature, but it's a it's a uh, considered an old school uh, machine shop industry, but it's it's about as high tech as you can get. Uh, the, the The technology on the floor is is quite frankly amazing. And then uh, that's that's to produce the parts, to move the parts, and load the equipment, and unload the equipment, and take it through its processes. We utilize about forty five Fanuc robots. and and automation along the way. And that's including having 200 employees. And we've grown significantly over the years and and there's a tremendous that we've actually turned down because we can't grow fast enough. But uh, we also have a a side division called Red Rabbit Automation uh, that takes automation and helps other companies automate themselves. We're we're considering, but that's a small, small part of our business. But, um, but we're stuck here in little New Troy, Michigan in the southwest corner. And you drive by our building, we're lost, but uh, but we, we've got a lot going on here.
0: Great. Thank you, Matt. I appreciate it. We'll look forward to chatting a little bit more about, you know, kind of what you're doing in that space. Juan, let me come your way for a second because you're in the education space, but you're helping to prepare the next, gener- or next generation workforce to work with people like Matt and, and Tim. So tell us a little bit about your role at Ivy Tech.
3: Absolutely, uh, I am the dean of the School of Advanced Manufacturing and Applied Science, and what we do here is we work with a little bit of everything that Matt just mentioned. Uh, we've got degrees focused on your uh, Industry 2.0, the standard um, industrial technology, the the bones right of any industrial operation: the electrical, the mechanical. You move up to the automation with Fanuc robots, single cells with advanced automation and robotics. And uh, behind me, I'm sitting in the middle of the cell for the new uh, integrated systems thinking type of process, which is our Industry 4.0 related smart manufacturing and digital integration, where now you're taking you know your standard industry, your automation industry, and you're combining it together into this you know data intensive system, which is where. A lot of manufacturing is going, and as Matt mentioned, Fanuc. You know, all these lovely yellows behind me are the Fanuc robots that the students are learning to train on to understand how to do both programming and maintenance. You know, all all different aspects of getting ready to help our region transform its relationship with automation.
0: Great, thanks, Juan, and we'll look forward to diving deeper. Tim, let me come your way.
1: Tell us a little bit about your role. So I'm with uh, Kendall Electric as an automation engineer. Kendall Electric is a whole line electrical supplier, um, and we cover—we have a large footprint. Our, our company covers all the way from pretty much uh, um, But my role specifically is in the automation space. Rockwell Automation is a large manufacturer um, and is involved with a lot of automation that ties into the Fanuc robot. So there's probably some things that Juan is doing in his class that's going to incorporate tying with that PLC into the robot and it could be anybody's plc because there's two hats I put on I put on the hat of the person who sells supports those products the rockwell automation products but then also I'm involved with the program like first robotics and I'm very interested in seeing what happens with students so that they know that they can stay in the Michigan area and don't have to travel out of the area to find employment so that rockwell plc could be anybody's plc but to have a good understanding Um, On a daily basis, I work with customers who are um, either doing manufacturing themselves, I've been into Matt's facility, um, or we've got other customers that are building machinery that are building components, so they'll ship out of the area. Um, And it's working with those customers to meet whatever their customers' needs are. Juan referenced Industry 2.0 and 4.0 and 3.0. All of my customers kind of play in all those different areas, so there's the piece where you have to help Whoever that manufacturer is, where they're at at that point in time, figure out what works best for them and their path moving forward. Um, automation is really about trying to help the, the the workers be able to do their job efficiently, safely, and keep productivity rates up. So there's a lot of different ways to look at the, at the automation space.
0: Great, hey, Matt. Let me let me come your way because you're as your company is evolving and and you're doing more and more on the on the technology space, my guess is that the that the shop floor looks different today than it did, um, you know, many years ago. You know, if, if somebody was to walk walk into your floor, sort of give us a, a visual of uh, of uh, description of, of sort of what it might look like.
2: Well, pe- people that aren't aren't used to the to the manufacturing space we're in are they always surprised. They're always a little shocked when when they come out on the floor, and it's and it's the the the, the scope of technology, and, and and we we always say. Uh, to young kids hey do you want to get into manufacturing and they always kind of have and haw because they they uh you, you know they' they've heard this old school uh, negative stereotype that somehow was developed in the 70s and 80s that manufacturing was dead but they i asked them well do you want to work with technology or do you want to work with robotics and they're like absolutely i said well come on down that we have more technology we have Millions of dollars of, of technology in every cell that that our people are working with every day, and and it's it's pretty fascinating. So when when you do walk through, um, it, it is it is remarkable. Um, not only the level of technology, but but as Tim indicated, one of the things that automation provides it's not just cost competitiveness; it's it's a safer environment. Uh,
0: Matt, I want to stay with you for a quick second, if you don't mind. So, so help me understand the. The, the the ideal worker that comes into your space. Do, do, do I need to do I need to have some experience in technology? Can you teach me that? Do I need to have a degree? What what what's ideal for you in terms of plugging in a worker there?
2: Attitude and aptitude. It, it, are, are, are you willing to learn? Do you want to learn? Do you want to do you want to you want to build a career? If you're just looking for a paycheck, you're probably not going to be here long. If you want to start somewhere and grow, is remarkable. Now now kids coming out of Juan's facility, we that's a joy. I mean, that's that is something that they've already been exposed to this stuff. They've already made some decisions. We would we attack those guys all day long to attract as many as we can. And but if you're coming in fresh, most of the people that start here, I think we did a study a few years ago. 76% of the people that work in the building started as just a machine operator, even though we have about 34% of our people are machine operators, meaning. They start as an operator, they go into engineering, they go into quality, they go into automation, they go into maintenance, which happens to be one of our most high-tech positions. They go into accounting, they go into the, in the program management, they go into sales. They go. In. So it's just almost an entry level into the business to take if you're serious about trying to develop a career. There are paths everywhere and we try to do our best to outline paths for them and, and once you get in. It's, it's kind of our job to help guide them along the way of training. And, and my only last point to that is, is it directly relates to, to automation. Um, a controls engineer, which, which Juan and Tim can certainly relate to, those are high priced guys and girls. Our best controls engineer started as an operator, no degree, he came in, I think it's probably been about 10 years now, and he worked his way up through the chain and he is now what we would consider a senior level controls engineer. And, and we wish we had five more of them. And, and there's, it, it's absolutely possible and it's a heck of a way to go.
0: Great, thanks. Guys, we're gonna take a quick break here in the studio. We're gonna go out into the field. George Lapiniotis, my co-host, is out take, giving us an inside look at one of those manufacturers. George, let me toss it to you.
4: Thanks, Jeff. I'm downtown Buchanan, Michigan, and I'm joined today by Rick Blake, President of Edgewater Automation. Rick, thanks for being with us. My pleasure. Rick, we are standing in your Buchanan facility. Your company specializes in manufacturing automation products. Would you just give us the the layman's explanation of what that is?
5: Be happy to. So we design and build custom automation. So when people need an assembly line or a type of automation they cannot purchase out of a catalog, They come to a company like Edgewater and we design a specific piece of automation to meet their specific need.
4: So if I had a company, for instance, that built cars, you could design a piece of of equipment that might do one specific thing on that assembly line. Perfect. All right.
5: And that's very common for us
4: to do. Now, um, how long has Edgewater been in business? I'm staring at, at the floor. There's a commemorative sticker there for all the employees that walk in. We but... just
5: celebrated 20 years this year. Congratulations.
4: Thank you. And that's part of the reason we decided to talk with you is a 20-year milestone is a big deal. You are now in three facilities, is that right?
5: That's correct. Two, two here. Two here in Michigan and one in South Carolina.
4: And do all three facilities do roughly the same thing or do you have different teams at different plants? Good question, very
5: similar things. Some specialize in one, one type of automation versus another,
4: but very similar. But headquartered here in Berrien County. That is correct. So as you celebrate 20 years in the industry, a lot has changed. As a matter of fact, we were looking at some of the automation modules, you call them, that are right behind us, and I pointed you toward the, the cabling and such, and I said, this must not have been there 20 even 20 years ago. You're absolutely correct. The computer technology, all of that has changed the way the machine operates. Absolutely. Now, when your customers come to you, what is it that, they're, that drives your business? I know we talked a little bit off, off camera about some of the modern or more recent developments that really are driving your business through the roof. Yeah,
5: there's really a few things, but one of them is just the speed at which they need to go to market and their ability to find people to do the work. Automation gives them a solution that allows them to get to market faster and to do, to scale their needs without the specific need of hiring tons and tons of people.
4: And, and in the old days, that was maybe a cost cutting effort, but nowadays it's almost a necessity with the, la- with the lack of labor and some of the, the workforce development uh, shortages that we're having.
5: And also onshoring, bringing work back from some of the lower cost producing nations like China or whatever finding ways to bring
4: that work back here to the States. Now why, What? and and, and I know that you don't, uh, there's some things you can't tell us, but what is it that your clients, drives your clients to want to offshore some of their efforts?
5: So when they take things offshore, they're usually doing it for cost. It. Sometimes it's scales, sometimes they can just get to scale faster, but when they can automate that, many times they can bring that back on shore at the same cost or maybe even less cost and less risk, they don't have to worry about covid crisis keeping their products
4: thousands of miles away sure now yes you are an automation company and you are helping uh your customers reduce some of their labor needs but in the same token i was thinking on the way over here you are probably also creating a need for a more sophisticated employee that's absolutely correct right now i don't need to know how to use a just a wrench to to do a job on an assembly line i need to know how to work this automated module behind me which looks very complicated by the way (laughs) Now, uh, to help with some of that, you you and I were talking right before we went on the air how Edgewater sponsors some local programs. You wanna talk about that a little bit?
5: First Robotics has been something we've been a part of since 2009, and that's been a wonderful way to get young people exposed to automation, programming, and some of the later technologies such as vision and some of the robotic technologies that are happening today.
4: So that starts them, when we hear about these robotics teams, and, and, and my team and I have actually visited uh, Penn Harris, they have a very large robotics program, yes. they compete, they've done well nationally, but um, it's more than just kids having fun with kill robots, there's there's a skill set that they're learning.
5: Absolutely, there's programming, they they've also have kids helping with the marketing, and helping with some of the other aspects, um, management of the projects or assembling the projects. And so they're very involved in the whole process, which is wonderful benchmarks and building blocks for those students.
4: That's right, a building block to to lead them down this path. Absolutely. Awesome.
5: We've had the chance to hire several
4: of them out of those programs right here at Edgewater. Well, that's great news. Um, So if you had to say, I know we talked a little bit, how many industries do you affect?
5: We, We look at
4: five primary industries, automotive, life science,
5: energy, commercial products, and then um, kind of everything else. Everything
4: else, (laughs) sure. Awesome. Well, uh, Rick, thanks for being with us today. Thanks for showing us around this awesome plant. This is, uh, it's your Buchanan facility. Yes. Um, There's another one in St. Joe, but, um, and telling us a little bit more about Edgewater, congratulations on 20 years, and I'll come back in 20 more and we'll do it again.
5: Thank you very much, and we appreciate
4: the opportunity. Jeff, back to you in the studio, where uh, I think you're gonna focus more on workforce development. Uh, and talk a little bit more about what companies around our region are doing to help uh, automate the process.
0: George, thank you for the insight. Appreciate the chance to look a little bit uh, further into one of our, our local manufacturers. Tim, let me come your way for a second. So talk a little bit about, you know, kind of what interested you in this space in the first place. Well, you know, how how, do you, how does a guy get started and end up um, in a spot like where you are now?
1: So I'm, I'm fortunate um, when I was back in the day when I was in high school, I had an interest in electronics. um, And I actually had a high school class that was about circuit board design in half of the class. And the other half of the class was doing television repair. So we know where that industry has gone now. And the circuit board that has been replaced with such smaller components, but I always had an interest in technology. Fortunately ended up, uh, I went to ITT Tech in Fort Wayne. And uh, I ended up uh, with an opportunity to start at Kendall Electric. And, And I'm fortunate I worked for a company that, you know I've been with Kendall 33 years now. And it's a company that invested in me, sent me for training, and then pay me for the knowledge that I have. And throughout that entire time, I've been exposed to different industries as a technical support person inside sales. First of all, just supporting people who are calling with technical questions. Um, and then eventually moved to the, to the Benton Harbor area and you know, started now going out and talking to customers and being in, inside of some of the different buildings. You know, I think Matt made a reference earlier. We have this, sometimes there's this image and I really think probably it's more um, people who are our age or a little bit older um, who have the thought when their you know, son or daughter says, I'm interested in working at this manufacturing facility. It's not the facility that that, you know, I grew up in the Detroit metropolitan area that maybe a lot of people had of those areas. I'm looking at the the background behind Juan. that is today's manufacturing facility in some places. Now, like maybe in Matt's facility, it might be a little bit. There might be a little bit more because there's cutting oils and stuff because there's still as matt said there's still work that needs to be done. But it's the moving of components between those work cells that's different, there are a lot of facilities, though you walk into that are like wands. And they you know it's it's appealing and you see some of the things that are happening there and the technology. Of what we're what machines are being you know put together to build instead of assembling maybe you know a, a drive train or something along those lines we're now building up. Um, Cellular phones, how many mobile phones do all of us have and you think about everything that it takes to put one of those together, and we could put multiple cells that are you know any maybe 20 foot square that is a cell that's building those phones. Um, So it's just that you know all of that information that happens to make that come together and then also understanding that manufacturing process. And what, inform, what we're doing with some of the data that comes out of that to be able to pull that information and share that. So if Matt's sitting in a meeting and, and his customer says, well, how are we doing with production rates today? He can look uh, you know, at a dashboard on his desk or he can pull out his phone and see red, green, yellow. And I can tell red is not good, yellow is OK, and green is awesome. That is the next wave of, of what WAN students are going to be looking towards doing is you know how can we take that information and share that and how can i be knowledgeable at all that and that's the part for me that has been exciting is to be a part of that through you know you blink your eyes and 30 some years is gone but it's amazing at how it just continues to evolve
0: yeah juan let me come your way because you have sort of this uh, awesome responsibility and high expectation but I mean, help, help us give a better feel for, for for maybe a viewer at home who's thinking about um you know a, a future career for their kid help give us some insight
3: Absolutely, so we we deal with students at every stage of their professional development uh, around here. That's one of those things that I think also provides a, a more robust learning environment because you are able to have students that might just be coming out of high school, or even in some cases we're partnered with high schools to offer dual credit with them. And you have somebody that's been 30 years on the line, but is wanting to come back and get back into that automation. So as you take that cross-pollination of experiences, backgrounds, perspectives, I think you end up with a richer learning environment for everybody. Um, we end up working, like I said, across that entire spectrum of somebody's uh, career and uh, development, but we're trying to make sure that anybody that wants to be prepared to deal with this you know, evolution of manufacturing, of industry, of the economy in our area is ready to do so. One of Matt's comments uh, a little while ago uh, resonates a lot with the question that you end up getting from students. You know, it is, you can throw a rock in any direction right now and find somebody ready to hire, you know, somebody with, you know, might even be big bold letters, no skills required right now, Uh, just come work and have a great attitude. And I absolutely support that, you know, go take that well-paying job take that you know opportunity to do better for your family for your you know for yourself but don't forget that you have to continue to invest in your future and so take that job start working gain experience but also come and uh, spend some time working in the evenings on Saturdays early in the mornings to train up on that next generation of skills right now in this booming uh, manufacturing economy that we've got are uh, the, the, the campus where I'm sitting right now, we serve over 700 manufacturers. We are the lowest unemployment rate in the nation. Now, but this, this is not something that necessarily lasts in this bubble. So as you land these jobs, as you get ready to work, then we're here to help provide that next step. We're here to help provide that training, that certification, that experience, that background, that networking that's going to help not only our students, but our local manufacturing partners uh, really revive this concept of the driver to the economy that manufacturing can be. And it is a major component of the economy. Um, 60, 70% of R&D gets spent around manufacturing uh, and it's only, You know it's less than 10 percent of the national workforce so we are an important part of driving that economic engine and it's only going to become more important as the last two years have shown
1: great jeff could could i add one thing there too and, and it ties back to what matt said earlier attitude and aptitude and i i would say probably tying this into with juan too is the there's two important questions that if every person would ask that and that is how can i help and I did, did I do that correct that goes right to the attitude and aptitude and I would say also probably one you would probably echo this is that. There are some very awesome students coming out It doesn't matter how old they are with great ideas, and I think that helps to reinvigorate manufacturing and sometimes manufacturing or processes to go. You know what, there is a different way to do it. We don't do it this way now because we've done it that way for 20 years. Let's look at new ways. And I think that's the lifeblood for new people being introduced and, and accepting of and understanding technologies and how we can apply that to what we've done in the past and just do it better.
3: A mindset for innovation is, is going to be key. And one of the ways that I like to express what, what you said, Tim, is I want a student with a, a not yet mindset. In other words, we're going to be faced with challenges we've never seen before. And when I face that new thing, that thing I've never done, that thing I've never attempted, that robot I've never programmed, uh, is the answer to that challenge no or not yet? And if you've got the confidence to be the kind of person that faces a problem with the not yet mindset, not yet, but give me some time to train, not yet, but let me talk to the right person, not yet, but give me an opportunity to go out and, and learn. That's the kind of person that's going to be making a difference and
1: will have a guaranteed
3: spot anywhere they go.
1: Yeah, I've tried to take this. The one phrase is get comfortable with being uncomfortable, because when you're uncomfortable, that's when you start to learn new things. And it's tough to get there. But when you're there, it's good great
0: man i'm gonna get our time's got away with this i got about 30 seconds left help make the pitch in that last 30 seconds as to why somebody ought to uh, consider a job at a vickers or or something in an, an automated field
2: well i we we used to be considered a cutting edge company for a company our size but i'm looking behind juan i'm going my god we've been surpassed <laughs> no there's technology we got to keep up and that's partially what's exciting and, and juan and tim are exactly correct it's, we are applying it, they're teaching it, they're supporting it, and uh, and it's only gonna get bigger, it's only gonna get better. United States is the second leading manufacturer in the world, some people don't understand that, and they're gaining ground on China significantly over the past couple of years, and that's gonna continue. It's, it's gonna get bigger, not smaller, and uh, we need as many sharp problem solvers as we can find.
0: Well, guys, thank you so much for our conversation today. This sounds like some great things. Uh, going on in, in your businesses. We'll look forward to having you come back as this uh, continues to evolve and, and appreciate the conversation today.
3: Mm-hmm. That's it.
0: Thank you. Thank Absolutely. Yeah, thanks. That's it for our show today. Thank you for watching on WNIT or listening to our podcast. To watch this episode again or any of our past episodes, you can find Economic Outlook at WNIT.org or find our podcast on most major podcast platforms. But I encourage you to like us on Facebook or follow us on Twitter. I'm Jeff Ray. I'll see you next week.
4: This WNIT local production has been made possible in part by viewers like you. Thank you.